0: Hey there folks it's john here with another episode of the fry ends podcast this is the fifth episode i believe and we're going to be looking at uh the the episode of fry ends episode seven from season one which is of course the one with ron jeremy and i think from that title you can get a bit of an idea what what this episode might involve or uh you know who might who might have well i, I hesitate to call it a celebrity guest cameo um i guess ron jeremy is a celebrity i don't know what you know they say is he A list, is he B list? You, you're working your way <laughs> pretty far down the alphabet before you get to Ron Jeremy's list, I think. But he probably is. You know, he, he you can broadly call him a celebrity. I think. I mean, look, they got they got they got him on season one of fry ends. So that gives you an idea that like he was a, he was a big enough deal that they wanted him to cameo, but also. He was not such a big deal that he appeared in the later season. I mean, we get some real some real big names later on in this run of Fry Ends, but uh in season one you were you were really only getting people, you know, on the Ron Jeremy Tier. Is it tier or Tyre? Or is it one of those things where it can like be both? Is it like a regional thing? Or like look, I'm sorry, like I'm I'm not an infinite source of wisdom when it comes to any subject other than the hit nineties sitcom, Fry Ends. So I and I don't pretend to be. And actually, I, I got a pretty, I got a pretty aggressive email from someone, and uh, I, th- I think it was just rude. And I, I'm going to have to share it with you guys. Uh, I'm going to keep this person anonymous. I'm not going to out them. Not going to out the email address. But th- this, this was just, to be honest, and it had me scratching my head. Uh, just, I, I, I couldn't understand why, you, why, you, why you would want to send me an email like this. So this, this was from someone, and this just said, your podcast is fucking unlistenable. And obviously, when I heard that at first, I thought, "Do they mean? Do they mean the technical audio quality of the show?" Because I'll be the first one to admit, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to uh, mixing audio. In fact, actually, I'm recording in my living room today. i forgot to turn the fridge off, and that might be running in the background. That might be contributing to the problem. So let me let me just unplug the fridge real quick. There we go, that's sorted. But the thing, I mean, there's there's always background audio anyway. And sometimes I try to reduce it and so, sometimes I don't, all right? Um. I play around, I see what works, but I'm not like an audio technician, so it's it's not going to be perfect. And uh, and I hadn't had any complaints about it before, so you know I thought I was doing a decent enough job that the show was listenable. But it turns out that's that's not what this person was talking about anyway. That was just me uh, kind of having some own doubts, some you know some doubts about uh, the audio quality. But that's not what this person was getting at because they they called the show fucking unlistenable, and then they went on to say. You just chat a load of fucking nonsense. What's even the point? And I just thought, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty rude. Uh, it's not nonsense, first of all. This is a recap of the hit 90s sitcom Fry Ends. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I do a damn good job at recapping it. If you want to have a go at, like, the quality of the sitcom Fry hey, you know what, like, go ahead and be my guest because I do the same thing on this show. I'm not always praising it. I'm criticising it. I'm holding it to task as well. But I know at the end of the day, I do a good and a fair job of recapping it. So don't call my show unlistenable. I do a great job. I do an excellent job. If you have an issue with Fry Ends, look, I'd, I feel like maybe there's a small chance. I, f- I feel like you're kind of personally attacking me. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe you're just saying that you don't like the sitcom, so me you know. Email, email again, and clarify, and let me know, and maybe we can like build a bridge, and uh, and and I can invite you in you know, to the circle of fans, of people who, who think I'm doing a good job and who are enjoying this show uh, because, you know, it's, it's a it's a, it's a great community we have here. And I've actually, uh I've 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 been wondering, you know, every good fan base has a name for the fan base. So if you guys have any suggestions for that, um, you know, email me, hit me up. That email address, of course, is thefryenspod at gmail.com. So without further ado, actually want one, one more thing. I mean, I, I do have to apologize. I know I just went on to think about the audio quality. If it's really shit right now, if there's like background noise and stuff, I, I'm sorry about that. I'll try to get rid of it as best I can. But I'm recording this one at about about seven o'clock. Usually I wait until later on so that uh, you know there's not so much noise outside. But I mean the problem is like, look, I what? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't even want to get into it. I, it's a nightmare. It's a scheduling. Uh, it's a scheduling nightmare. But you know what? Who's going to recap friends for you if not me? All right. So you know what? Person who emailed in, if you're listening to this, you know why? Why don't you send me your fucking podcast of you doing a better job, huh? Little fucking prick. Won't you fucking do that, huh? Give me your analysis of the one with Ron Jeremy, shithead. You fucking little shit muncher, okay? because I'm having a difficult day. I don't need your fucking bullshit. Like, don't, don't, just don't email me. If you're gonna call my show shit, just fuck off. Just fuck off, okay? Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. It wasn't even constructive, you little fucking prick. Fucking, <sighs> sorry about that, guys. Um, you know, lost my call for a second there wasn't the most professional thing to do. Uh, I think it's best if we just get, go right ahead and just jump into the one with Ron Jeremy now. So it's the one with Ron Jeremy. It starts off in Central Park where Phoebe is performing a song... Uh, she's there she's not you know rapping or doing like a diss track as she has done at Monica's expense in previous episodes Uh, she's just playing the guitar singing some song I didn't make notes about the song the song was look all of Phoebe's music other than like the diss tracks and like the raps that that's really good stuff but it's a weird duality where they kind of they really don't give that stuff much emphasis and they really most of the time when Phoebe makes music it's like it's it's, it's like acoustic guitar stuff and that stuff's just uh you know it's not very good to be honest it's not very funny either I know that the point of it is there's supposed to be comedy in the fact that it's not very good but I don't even find it funny as, as funny as when she you know spits on a sick beat or something like that so anyway the, so- the song was poor there's a power cut all the power in Central Perk goes off and all of the friends uh, were in Central Perk when that happened apart from Chandler Chandler was in this ATM vestibule thing. Um this this was a weird thing to say. we don't really have these in England. It's like a weird little it's like a weird little like building thing where you just go in to use like ATM. I've I've never seen one of them in the UK. But they must have them in America because Chandler's in one when the power cut happens and it results in him getting locked in. And also locked in there with him is the 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 male porn star, Ron Jeremy. And Ron Jeremy, if you don't know what he looks like, um you know, he was he, he was better looking at this point. This was 1994. I, I mean, look, I don't mean to body shame Ron Jeremy. You know what? I'm not going to go on about his physical appearance. Uh, if you want to see him, there's no shortage of <laughs> footage of Ron Jeremy out there for you to peruse. Okay. Um, and on your own head, be it. So I'm just going to leave it there. So, um... So yeah, then we have the opening credits and after that we go to Monica's apartment. Everyone's getting ready for a nice long power cut. Uh, Joey comes in and he's got... What's it called? Is the, I'm going to out myself as being an idiot once again. But I mean, I said earlier, I don't know everything about everything. And they don't actually say the proper name for it in this episode of uh, Fry Ends, which is strange. But Joey comes in and obviously because he's Jewish, as are all of the other friends, um, he's he's got the, the Jewish candles and I believe it's called a menorah. Um, but it might not be. I know, what's the, the Torah's, like the book, right? I think the menorah, I'm not sure, but that, that could be completely wrong. Joey comes in, he's got one of them, um, and it's like, it's like a joke, but like Monica's like, why did you bring that? But it's like, come on, you all have one, so like why is it a big deal? And Joey's just like, you know, these are all the candles we've got, uh, so it's fine. And then Phoebe's over at the window and she points and she goes, look, look, handsome, handsome black man's got a bunch of candles lit, and everyone rushes over to look. And this is actually the first introduction of, you know, a, an iconic character in the show Fry Ends, which is handsome black man. And that's just across from Monica's apartment, there's a, a you know, a handsome black man who lives in an apartment. And uh, and yeah, they'll just, they'll, you know, I mean, if you've seen the show, you know, this is one of the... The longest running gags that they have is the handsome black man. And um, it's interesting because there aren't that many black characters on Fry Ends, as people often point out. It's not very diverse, like the cast of the show. And that's certainly not helped by the fact that like one of the probably, probably like the most widely known black character that they've had on the show uh, is, is rarely ever seen. It's usually just the joke is that they're looking at him and like, you know admiring him from a distance but you 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 know he he doesn't actually pop up in the show very often still you know it, it, it's nice to know that he's about anyway we go back to the ATM Chandler's locked in there with Ron Jeremy and Chandler's kind of like freaking out uh, do, he's doing it quietly but obviously Chandler apparently you know we're learning is someone who's watched a lot of porn that's not really something that's been referenced before i mean i i bring this up every episode but at the moment there's still this weird thing going on with chandler where you're not really sure where he stands like sexually like there was that thing with the woman who was in the israeli army where chandler was only interested in kind of you know pleasuring himself and watching watching her from a distance like from the closet uh so i don't know but yeah it hasn't really mentioned i don't know it's still very confusing but apparently he is a fan of ron jeremy's we know that at the very least and he's just having kind of like a little internal monologue going on, just thinking, oh, what should I say? Oh, it's, it's Ron Jeremy. I've been locked in an ATM with Ron Jeremy. This doesn't happen every day. Wow, this is a big deal. So then we're back at the apartment, the phone rings, and it's Chandler. And Chandler's ringing, and he's ringing to tell them all the news. And he's he's talking to Monica at first, and he tries to say it discreetly so that Ron Jeremy won't realise, because I'm trapped." In an ATM vestibule with Ron Jeremy. And Monica's like, "What are you saying?" And Chandler goes like, "And he says it. I You know, he's saying it more muffled than I just said it. To be honest, it was it was more like um." <laughs> Chandler's on the phone Monica can't understand what Chandler's saying and then Chandler just goes pass me over to Joey and he goes and Joey's like oh Chandler's trapped in an ATM vestibule with Ron Jeremy and then Joey goes oh Chandler Chandler and Chandler goes no Joey no because he only does that with women and (laughs) hangs up the phone and that's the end of that bit anyway um, we'll go back to Monica's apartment because it it keeps cutting back and forth so we'll get through the stuff at Monica's apartment because a lot goes down the friends are talking about the weirdest place that they've ever had sex and um you know Joey says that the weirdest place he's ever had sex is inside of a windmill out in the out in the countryside which I thought was interesting Phoebe says the weirdest place she's ever had sex is um is the is the sewer, um, but not just the sewer in New York as well. It was even zanier than that because obviously you knew Phoebe was going to give you, you know, like a real uh, a real curveball, and she said, "Oh no, it was the sewer in Baghdad," and everyone was like, "Oh, oh Phoebe, that's just classic Phoebes. But, I, you know, like, for me, it was a bit too out there. I heard that, and I was just like, now I just want to know about that. I don't really give a shit about the premise of this episode. The power cut thing is not really doing anything for me. You know, give me an episode about Phoebe's little field trip she went on to Baghdad. I don't mean to say field trip as if she was in school. That's never implied. I just mean, like, tell me about that. That sounds interesting. I don't, you know, I couldn't, me personally, I've never watched any of Ron Jeremy's shit. I'm aware of him as, like, you know, kind of a cultural, not icon, but figure, but... You know, I haven't, I'm not a Ron Jeremy fan. I don't care about that. Um, I just don't care about this shit going on, you know, just to show me Phoebe getting fucked in a sewer in Baghdad. Don't show me the actual footage. Obviously, I understand you can't put that on television, but like, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. But they don't, it's just, it's just like a joke and they'll go, oh yeah, Phoebe, you know, that's that's the kind of weird shit she would do and they move on from it. Uh, Ross says that the weirdest place he's ever had sex was in the audience at the Paralympics and the country on that one's not specified. So I don't know whether it was like an, an American thing or a foreign one. But again, that's a, that's pretty interesting. And that's kind of out the, <laughs> that's out of the left, <laughs> that's out of the left field for Ross because that sounds like he he specifically says it's not like in the like bathroom in the arena he says in the audience of the paralympics and that just raises a bunch of questions because like first of all why look okay maybe it doesn't raise the question of why was ross at the paralympics fair enough if he enjoys you know he wanted to watch it that's fine um you know that, that that's up to him and uh, and his partner Carol, which is obviously who it was because he hadn't shagged anyone else. Uh, but also, it kind of raises like you know, with, what was the Paralympics? Did that have something to do with Ross getting aroused? But that's not really that's not explored either. So that's two. You know, that's pretty interesting answers from um, Phoebe and Ross. And then Rachel says, "Oh no, I you know, I the, the weirdest place I've had sex. I would have to say, pff, oh oh pff, oh, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to." Oh, you know, I would, I would probably, I'd probably have to, pff, pff, I, w- oh, I would have to say, oh, pff, I would have to say, i oh, I would, you know, if I thought about it, I would have to, pff, I would have to freaking, oh, you know, um oh you know it would be oh you know the the bathroom stall at comic-con and uh and the rest of uh, the you know the rest of the friends are just like oh, you know that's not that weird you know that's pretty that's pretty normal you know who hasn't been there um and then it cuts and Ross is talking to Rachel and Rachel is saying, oh, I, f- I feel like I didn't really, you know, I just haven't had that passion that you guys have had where you've had sex, you know, in the sewers of, <laughs> the sewers of Baghdad. I haven't had sex in the audience of the Paralympics or the regular Olympics for that matter. So I just... I feel like I haven't had that same passion in my life, and this is really funny because Rachel, obviously Jennifer Aniston, a beautiful woman. Ross here, Dave, look David Schwimmer, look. Let me tell you, that guy's cut. That guy, it's surprising when you see a topless scene in uh, *Friday Ends* now and then. That guy's buff as hell. All right, that guy, you know, he's um he's the real looker of the bunch, to be honest. In my opinion, I I, I would rank him above Matt LeBlanc. Um, I would rank him above you know Joey Tripps. I would put I, I would put David Schwim's, you know, Rossy Gell's. But um, the problem here is he's not Rossi Gels, Ross Geller. He's Rossi Gels, Ross Geller. He's got so much fucking gel in his hair in this scene. And he's also wearing this turtleneck that makes him look a little bit like a weird... He it, it looks like a bit of a chode. He's just got the rolled up neck of this sweater around his neck. So it's just ridiculous the fact that he's talking to... Rachel and saying oh you know I've had passion before and like she's the one who hasn't had like it's just like what the what the fuck does this guy know and Ross is gonna oh passion's overrated and he's like oh oh, you would know that would you you fucking he looks like a dick anyway he's he's like trying to subtly chatter up they finish talking and Joey tells Ross oh Ross is never gonna happen you're in you're in the friend zone and to my knowledge, that might be like, that might be when that, that, that might be like the first instance of that phrase being used. I can't think of anything I've heard like friend zone mentioned in before that came before 1994. So maybe I'm wrong, but maybe, maybe that's something that this show Fry Ends like coined and it, it, you know, if so, they never get credit for it, which is really strange. But yeah, he says that Ross is in the, in their friend zone and he explains it in a way where I usually think the friend zone is like the idea of it is just, you know, basically, you know, losers. Um, who feel like they're entitled to women just by being nice to them and saying, Oh, I'm in the friend zone. That's why she won't get with me. Where really the crack with it is like, it's just a girl's nice way of like letting you down gently and, uh, just being like, Oh, no, I Oh, we're such good friends. When really, like, they're, they're just like, No, get away from me, you freak. Like, I'm not interested. That's my, you know, that's, that's, that's my analysis of what the friend zone is. Um, but the way Joey explains it kind of makes sense because he he mentions it as, as if, like, you know, you've left it too long and now you're just in this place where, you know, it's not like Ross has asked him been rejected with that being used as an excuse, but Joey's just saying, like, she will only see you as a friend at this point, so, like, she won't, you know, it, it will not even, you know... It kind of it sounded like it made sense, and I was like, oh, maybe there is a friend zone, but then the way Ross acts later in this episode is like, no, oh, no, wait, I was right before it. It's just for fucking losers. <laughs> um, Phoebe has her acoustic guitar... And this song is going to be my, uh, my zinger of the, zinger of the episode. Uh, this was, well, a particular, you know, a, a one line in this, like, in this song. And the thing is, like, I, you know, she was sat there, you get the impression she was sat there singing and writing for quite a while because this thing is really, it's tightly woven. The lyrics that she's put together. And I know I was, I was bad mouthing her guitar shit earlier on, but the thing is, this one is like really, it's, it's really lyrically tight. Okay. And the thing you have to understand about this little bit is that it's kind of fusing her acoustic music in with the other episode, like the diss track stuff. And that's not, you know, she doesn't do another full thread. It, it's a long time before there's another proper diss track. But there's kind of the the spitefulness and the the cynicism that was present there when she was tearing Monica to shreds in that previous episode. You get a little hint of it here, you know, these, these lyrics are just cold. So here's, here's, here's the zinger of the night. Phoebe goes, there's a power cut in New York. And now my guitar is the only sound, but why do we not think of those who face this reality all year round? And that to me was a real, that was a real uh, cutting comment on on uh on homelessness and that was something that Phoebe's kind of addressed before where she has that homeless friend that she has a good rapport with you know she had those really playful tasteful jokes where she was like making fun of that homeless woman um in a previous episode and this is one where like you know everyone's just watching this sitcom and thinking oh you know this is good this is a funny show and then Phoebe makes a really strong a really strong point so that that final that final line uh is the zinger of the night the one where she says what about the people who face this reality all year round because that was just like yeah you know you realize all this shit Ross and Rachel were doing. Who fucking cares about that? You know they at least have a home to live in. Everyone's complaining about this about this power cut. You know Chandler's locked in an ATM vestibule. Who cares? At least he's got a roof over his head. So you know that was um grade day stuff from Phoebe, kind of roasting everyone, but at the same time roasting no one in a very interesting way. So Ross decides that he's going to take advice from Joey. Um, the whole point of Joey saying about the friend zone was he was encouraging like, look, if you're going to make a move, make it now. So Ross is like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. And um, and he goes out to the balcony to talk to Rachel. And then Monica comes from like out of her room. And she's like, oh, I'm going to the balcony. She doesn't say that. She's just walking to the balcony. And Joey's like, oh, no, you can't go to the balcony. You can't go to the balcony. And Monica's like, what? Why not? And Joey just says, listen, Monica, I said, you can't go to the balcony. So why don't you just pay attention to me? Because I'm a man and I know what's best. And the thing here is that obviously Joey doesn't mean that. He's not. Mis- well, the argument could be made that he's a misogynistic character. But what he's doing here is taking. You know, he's taking him on for the team for Ross. And he's just saying that as it you know he's just trying to like he but you know it's clever it's quite clever for the Joey character is he knows that like monica's not going to obey him on the basis that he's a man that's not what he's going for what he's going for is hoping to trigger the you know the feminist tendencies that monica will occasionally have and he absolutely succeeds at that so this this was a stroke of genius maybe a little bit too out of character it worked too well he was thinking he was thinking on his feet too much but then, I mean, he, he threw out the word rambunctious a few episodes ago. So that really is going to show that in season one, Joey Joey was not an idiot. You know, Joey was actually like, he, he was street smart. And in this case, yeah, he had very good, like, practical, real-world knowledge. He, he knew what he we was He handled the situation to perfection. Monica goes up to him, and Monica is just raging at that point. And she's just like, what, what, what? And Joey just decides, oh, this is working. You know, I'm going to dig myself in further. And he just goes, the wage gap doesn't exist, Monica. The wage gap is bullshit. And Monica's just like, you fucking what? He's like, she's like, I, I do not get this, paid the same as male chefs. You think I'm making Gordon Ramsay money? I know I live in this nice apartment, you little cunt. But look, and then she she just jabs him in the chest and goes, "I told you not to fucking cross me." And then and then Joey and her have a really intense like stare down. And then Phoebe starts strumming the guitar in the background, and he goes, "Now Joey has made a mistake because he brought up gender issues." And Monica will cut him until he bleeds. Where did we put the tissues? And uh, and it ends on a light note. Um, and that's interesting because it was, very, it was very intense. It escalated out of nowhere. There was no sign that it was going in that direction. I mean, obviously, it brought up a sensitive issue. But then it, it just really spiraled, um, you know, just on a whim and uh, and luckily phoebe i mean phoebe's being kind of the mvp in this episode i've criticized her before for being a complete fucking non-entity really in the in the six or so episodes of uh Fry-ins that i've covered before this one she's done nothing collectively in those episodes she has basically done fuck all um but you know especially in the last couple of episodes she, she she's been a ghost but in this one yeah this was great um she really you know she resolved the conflict the other two were kind of distracted by her song and uh As as we'll learn in the future, you know, you don't want to cross Monica when she's like warning you about it. So she kind of saved Joey in this one because Monica had already previously told Joey not to cross her. And then really she was, you know, she was, she was getting ready to go here. And then Phoebe kind of curtailed it. And even though, you know, even though her song was about, you know, oh, you know, she's going to hurt Joey and Joey's going to bleed. It didn't, it didn't lead to that because it served as a distraction. So it was good. It was good. So we go out on the balcony. I really don't want to dwell on this too much because this was just fucking horrible. Ross is just there. As I said before, he's looking like a dick. He's looking like a dick with the, like, just his little foreskin jumper that he's got on. He's going, oh, I, I have a, I have a question maybe uh sometime i could um and then out of nowhere this fucking uh this this fucking little little boy just jumps on ross's back and ross is like what 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 And he's shaking around and rachel's like oh no oh no ross stop stop oh ross no be careful because there's a little boy on his back uh, he's a little bold boy you know a little bold boy on ross's back and ross is shaking around as if he's trying to shake him off on the balcony and this kid's gonna like fall and die you know, so that's like, it's pretty crazy, but it's true. It does just like being a funny thing. The studio, the studio audience are loving it. They're loving the slapstick comedy of Ross shaking around with this child on his back. And it's like, this, this boy might like fall and die. You know, this doesn't seem like a funny scene. But this, the studio audience, to be honest, um, they weren't really on the pulse with this with this episode as far as I'm concerned. Because they were loving, even before the boy jumped on Ross's back, he was just making this big cringy ordeal out of asking Rachel out and being, oh, I wonder if sometime I could. And they were like laughing at it. I was like, no, Ross is being a dickhead. Ross looks like a cock. Uh, you know, this isn't good. So anyway, um, later on, you know, Rachel and Phoebe are going around the building with this little boy, trying to find the little boy's owner because they don't know where he came from. Uh, there was some kind of confusion in in the power cut and the little boy ended up outside on the balcony but obviously he belongs to someone in the building so they're, they're taking this little this little bold boy around the building and uh, various people are you know failing to claim ownership of him um old old, old man heckles this is his first appearance they knock on Heckles' door and heckles opens up and goes oh yeah that's my boy and they go what and you know since when did you have a boy and heckles is like that could be my boy they're like this is not your boy and heckles is like yeah that's my son come on come in steve and the little boy is just like kind of shakes his head and they're just like you're sick you're a sick freak heckles like you tried to abduct a child right that's really not cool and heckles is just like no that's that's honestly honestly i swear to god that is my son that boy is my son and they say well we're not having that and they just leave and uh and I think maybe they, they didn't do enough there, you know, reporting to the police. He, he genuinely, like, I mean, they called him out on it. Sure, that's fine. But he tried to abduct a child, you know, that should not be going unreported. Anyway, they're walking around. Eventually, they they, fi- they find the boy's owner. Uh, we don't get a proper look at him, though. Um, Rachel's, like, walking, you know, in the dark because a candle went out and she bumps in someone and goes, oh, sorry. And then, like, a you know, a lighter flashes on. Uh, But we don't get a proper look. But we hear Rachel going like, (gasps) like gasping, like, oh, wow, (gasps) wow, like that, you know. And then uh, we see him later on when it cuts back to the the apartment, Monica's apartment. Rachel and Phoebe come back and the boy is still with them. But the boy is now on someone else's back, no longer on Ross's back or walking around on his own two feet. He's now on this, this Buddhist monk's back they found a buddhist monk in the building and the boy is his boy apparently and the boy just like routinely he wasn't jumping on Ross's back to be aggressive that's just how he's transported around is he's carried around by people on their backs and uh yeah this is a this is a buddhist monk he's not super old but he's at least he's middle aged i would i would say he's at least got you know 10 15 years on all of the friends um And uh, yeah, and you know, they've just got this monk now and straight away Ross is just starts freaking out because Rachel's getting a little bit friendly with this monk. The monk doesn't say anything. Uh, The monk has taken a vow of silence. So there's, you know, he can understand. It seems like he understands English fine. I mean, he was living in New York. So, you know, I have no reason to believe that he doesn't understand English. Uh, but he doesn't really show any at the same time he doesn't really show acknowledgement of it when people talk to him he kind of sometimes like will nod his head but not necessarily to answer questions like the timing with it isn't like you know isn't perfect so it's, it's a bit of an odd one but like you know the monk's there and Rachel's like talking and kind of like stroking the monk on the arm and uh, telling anecdotes about the monk and being like, oh, yeah, and then we found this monk and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, my candle went out and then luckily he had a lighter and Rachel's, like, laughing and stroking the monk's arm and Ross goes, oh, that this is funny, and Rachel keeps touching him. He literally says that. He says, this is funny, and Rachel keeps touching him to Joey. And it's just like, you know, he's the typical friend zone dude who somehow believes that because he tried and failed to ask Rachel out, now he's entitled to Rachel and he's like, oh, no, this monk... Oh no, Rachel's touching this monk. And he's like, the monk isn't even making a move on Rachel. She's completely deciding to do that of her own free will. So like, what are you freaking about? Like, surely like that's, yeah, she's she's entitled to that, Ross. She's entitled to that. And it's 1994, but still at the same time. I mean, this is, to me, it strikes me, this is pathetic behavior even back then. This is just really awful stuff. Like, Ross is just being a fucking nerd. But he, he just keeps making these snide little sides to Joey like that. And I'm just like, Ross, shut the fuck up. Anyway, the night progresses and uh, Rachel is just getting increasingly friendly with this monk. The monk still really is not responding in any way. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it bothers Ross to the point where he feels it's necessary to take the monk to one side. And, he, you know, he's like, oh, come on, can we, can we have a chat? And he kind of drags the, not drags, but like leads the monk over because the monk, like, he doesn't really move anywhere on of his own volition. Um, so he, he, he goes to one side with the monk. The monk has still got the little boy on his back. And Ross goes, hey there, hey. So, you know, I don't know if you heard, but I kind of rescued your little boy earlier. And the little boy looks puzzled when Ross says this because the little boy knows that's not how it went down. Ross almost dropped him off a balcony to his death. But the little boy doesn't say anything. I don't know if he's also taken a vow of silence or if he's just shy or, you know, maybe maybe he's a mute. I'm not sure. It's not it's not established. Um, the little boy is not that important. He's, he's used for a few good physical comedy jokes, like when he'll, you know, like when he pulls a face here. But uh, he's not as important as the monk, you know, no, no one's rubbing like the little boy and trying to get off with the little boy, you know, Uh, well, I mean, Heckle's tried to, but other than that, you know, he's, the monk is the main focus here. So Ross is putting his spin on it. He's like, you know, I, I saved your little boy, so you kind of owe me one. Um, so could you do me a favor and kind of, back, you know, back back off from Rachel? He says back off from Rachel as if the monk, you know, did anything to try to like the the only real action the monk has made in this episode is turn you know, flicking his lighter to provide a bit of light. And the monk, like the monk's, kind of just staring at Ross as Ross says this, and Ross is like, well, you know what? Um, if you agree that you're not going to do anything with Rachel, how about you? How about you do nothing now? And the monk's reaction is he does nothing. And Ross is like, great, you know, good talk. And he says, you know, um, it was nice to meet you. And um, wow, you really don't break this vow of silence for anything, do you? And the the monk continues to say nothing. And Ross says, well, just to let you know, I think Buddhism Buddhism is a fucking joke. Um, So there. And Ross walks off. And the studio audience laugh. And this is, again, what I mean. like That was just really cruel on Ross's part. This monk clearly is really into his beliefs. He doesn't react to this. I mean, obviously, he he doesn't let it get to him. The little boy kind of raises his eyebrows a little bit, but the monk doesn't do anything. But, like, the the studio audience loved it. But I was like, that was a very hateful comment from Ross. That was not funny. Anyway, this has all been building to a later scene where... They're playing like Monopoly or something, um, and finally Joey's little menorah candle thing goes out. And I mean, and like, I this is isn't it uh, the, the crack with that is that it kept it, it it stayed lit for like a long ass time, and that's why like the Jews love it because it kept them safe because it was but but it goes out for whatever reason, and they're in the dark, and then then they start doing like spooky laughs, and Ross is like, oh, I can do the best spooky laugh, and he goes oh, ha 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 ah, ha ha, and this has all been building to the great punchline when the lights come back on and Rachel is over with the monk in the corner of the room giving, giving the monk a handjob and Ross looks over and he's doing this spooky love and he goes, oh, oh, oh and then he sees that and he's like, oh no, oh you know, he's, he's devastated by it and the, mon- <laughs> the monk is still no-selling it and that's great and I had a debate about this with a friend of mine um, who has seen this episode also and this was a debate a long time ago but my friend was convinced and he's, he, he maintains his belief he says that it would have been a funnier joke if you cut over and you had the monk was f- finger-blasting Rachel and I really don't think so I think that it's, it's hilarious that Rachel's managed to that this, this relationship with her and, and the monk has, has blossomed even though the monk has done absolutely 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 nothing and uh and and that ross gets so irate by the fact that he's getting you know outmanned and outclassed by a man who was like pulled rachel you know without doing anything at all um but my mate said no it's funnier if you know you the the joke is that the monk doesn't do anything all episode and then the first thing you like see him do is like after ross has talked to him he's getting his revenge for the comments made about buddhism by like finger in Rachel but I think the monk is a more compelling character when you realize that the comments Ross made didn't get to him and he's above petty acts of revenge like that but that's the debate we had the the more frequent debate I see online when people discuss this episode is is this child abuse because the, the little boy is still on the monk's back whilst the monk is receiving a hand job it doesn't look like that comfortable because the monk they're not sitting down they're like stood in the corner of the room and Rachel was like obviously like you don't you don't see the the actual look it, it, the monks like facing like away from it's weird he's got his body twisted in such a way that like you can't see his genitals but you can like see his like you know, his face, but like the rest is kind of covered by Rachel, but she's doing the motion. So, you know, you know what's going on, even though you don't see like the, you know, the very, uh, you know, the intimate details, but the little boy's on his back. So, I mean, does that count as child abuse? Does it count as a threesome? I don't know. Either way, I guess what they're going for is like, oh, Rachel, you know, she's finally got that passion that she wanted, you know, in a a very strange situation, admittedly, but, but uh, you know, this is something to rival Ross getting laid in the audience at the Paralympics, or Phoebe, you know, in in the sewers. This is Rachel is now giving a monk a hand job, whilst the monk has a little boy on his back. So you know, good good stuff, good stuff in my opinion. Uh, pretty unexpected, but pretty funny. Anyway, that's it for the portion in the in the air apartment. I'll just breeze through this stuff with Chandler and Ron Jeremy because, in my opinion, it, it's become very clear to me recapping this and i kind of got the impression watching watching the episode but like this was such a stupid title for this episode and they were clearly just going for like they wanted to they wanted to intrigue people to like watch it and be like oh coming up this week on you know fry ends back when they would have it in like a tv guide or something it's the one with ron jeremy and they wanted people to tune in because like ron jeremy's a big deal but like to me like the the one with the monk hand job would be much like it would draw me in more but i guess they've already done the one with ross's erection and the one with joey's cock so they don't want to then put like hand job in the title again because it's, it's making this show out to seem like it's just all about sexual stuff with like dicks which is not you know that plays a relatively small part in this look sh- it has been a bit of a recurring theme which i think is uh unexpected but uh <laughs> but um you know it's not it, the show doesn't revolve around it by any means so you know, I, I just think that it would have been a better title because not very much screen time and not very much effort, really, is awarded to this stuff with Chandler and Ron Jeremy. And I think part of the reason you've got to put that down too is Ron Jeremy's acting is just not up to scratch. In pornographic films, I've got no doubt, as I said, I've not seen any of his actual work, but, you know, I'm sure that he's great but most porn actors really it's not expected of them to be great at like delivering dialogue in a convincing fashion you know that's not really at the top of their skill set list as much as like you know having sex is i will say it is strange to have like it's only just dawned on me now this that they're doing an episode where like a hand job is depicted and Ron Jeremy's not involved with that if if I told you that the one with Ron Jeremy involves a hand job, you probably would have assumed that Ron Jeremy was the one receiving or giving the hand job. But no, instead instead it was a Buddhist monk with a little boy on his back. Anyway, look, I'm 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 getting carried away. Because let's just get through this stuff with Chandler and Ron Jeremy in the ATM. Um, Ron Jeremy at one point has got some some um some cans. He's got a big bag of cans. Uh, I I don't know what they were. They looked a little bit like special brew. But like I, I think there might have been generic ones they had mocked up for the show. Maybe they made them look like special to like, you know, so that they look like strong, but obviously they can't show the brand of it. But also like it's the usa i don't know if they have special brew over there but then again ron jeremy ron jeremy stri- <laughs> strikes me as the kind of guy that he would have like a contact for special brew That like he, you know he seems like a guy who would fucking love to getting on a sesh with a bit of special brew so he probably can find he can sniff special brew out in new york even if no one else can i bet anyway ron jeremy's got some cans he's got he put this little plastic bag of cans he goes do you want a can and Chandler goes is it zero calories and then Ron Jeremy's like no, and Chandler's just like oh well I'll pass on it then. And then he ruminates for a moment. And he goes, when Ron Jeremy offers you a can, you say yes. So he says, you know what? On second thought, a can would be perfection. And then Ron Jeremy chucks him a can. Chandler, to be fair to him, catches it. I was expecting it to like hit him in the face or like land on the floor and like poosh, you know burst and all the all the special. Well, I'm not going to call it special brew because I don't know if that's what it is. But for all of it to go everywhere, but that's not what happens. Um, Chandler does catch it anyway Chandler like is drinking this can he's trying to impress Ron Jeremy and kind of get Ron Jeremy's attention without being too outward or anything so he's drinking the can and he thinks I'm going to what I'm going to do is down this can really quickly and he you know cracks it open knocks it back He's doing a good job. Ron Jeremy peers over and kind of like, "What's what's he doing? Wow, he, he's he's really going for it. He's going to down this can." And then Chandler, it goes down the wrong hole the wrong pipe, or the wrong hole or something, um, and he he starts spluttering. And he's like, uh, uh, you know, he, you know, he's have, he's having a hell of a time with it. And uh, Ron Jeremy goes over and gives him the Heimlich. And uh, to be honest, I don't know if you can choke on like a beer. Um, yeah i'm not sure how realistic this is like if he was eating something that would make more sense but you know they they were having a can and they weren't i guess they weren't just going to like suddenly introduce food as well like you know the whole the whole point of what they were going for is that like Ron Jeremy and Chandler they bond over the fact that Ron Jeremy saves Chandler from choking on this bev and then it cuts later on and they've had a couple of cans each you see the empty cans strewn about both of them are just clearly just wankered and Chandler's like you know he's he's kind of like you know he's he's waving around like he clearly can't have handle his fucking drink like Ron Jeremy can. Ron Jeremy's drinking him under and they're sat on the floor and um, they've got those little pens on their little, you know, the little chain link things like the little ball bearing chains that like connect the pens to the counter so he can't steal them. So like Chandler keeps like waving his head back and forth really like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And there's one of those little pens dangling in front of them. And then he reaches over and like gets another one and he's holding two of them, like one in each hand. And he's like looking at both of them and then he goes, Ron... Ron, I have a lot of respect, Ron. Man, I'm a big fan. And Ron Jeremy's just like, you know, he seems a bit embarrassed. Um, he, he, you know, as I said, his acting's not great, but he does this little bit okay. It's mostly his delivery of those previous lines of the when he's talking about the cans is a bit flat. But in this one, he's like, you know, he does a good job because maybe he is embarrassed. Maybe he's a bit camera shy. Um, I'm not really sure I don't I don't know Ron Jeremy personally Chandler's holding these two pens and he goes Ron oh uh, Ron you know you know I'm 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 really pleased I'm proud of you you know you and your big you know you're long you're single I don't know man and then Chandler, you know he's rocking back and forth and he just goes I couldn't do what you do and then Ron Jeremy's like oh well you know thanks and then Chandler's like no dude I couldn't do what you do And Ron Jeremy's like okay, and then uh, and that's like that's kind of the last you see of that. When we go back to them next time, the power cuts over. uh, It's the little you know, it's the little end credit scene. And Chandler's just passed out on the floor, and he's only got like two or three cans next to him. And uh, Ron, Ron Jeremy just looks at him, and uh, he goes to leave, and he starts walking away. And then Chandler's like lying there, and he starts vomiting. And the, the, the scary thing is that Chandler's, like, just lying on his back. So, like, obviously, if he continues to vomit in that fashion, uh, He you know, he may well choke on his sick and die. And Ron Jeremy, for the second time in one episode, goes over and um, nudges Chandler so that Chandler, like, rolls over onto his side and vomits on the floor instead. And uh, And then Ron Jeremy has his, you know, his line of the episode. And I think probably some people would, like, hear about this and expect this to be my zinger of the episode. But it was not just because it just because of Ron Jeremy's like delivery. So even though it arguably was the best line, because Ron Jeremy, like, you know, he saves Chandler and he goes, wow, you know, usually I'm the one making him choke. And uh, the studio audience give him a big laugh for that one. And that that's like the, the note that the episode ends on. So, you know, it, you know, it was the big line. It was Ron Jeremy's big line. But to me, he didn't he didn't deliver it very well. You know, it might sound decent when I did it because I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm trying to put some entertainment value in it, you know. But you could have done it like, wow, <laughs> you know, usually I'm the one making them choke or something like that, you know, ham it up a little bit. But instead, Ron Jeremy's is like, oh, wow, usually I'm the one making them choke. I don't know. It, it was just it was pretty poor, to be honest. Um, and like Ron Jeremy, I don't understand why he's been portrayed in this show, like some kind of God. Uh, saving the life of Chandler twice in one episode. I mean, you know, it's, it's just strange for him to come in and like, he's really been treated like he's a big deal. I don't know. It's it's just kind of bizarre, to be honest, in hindsight. Look, this was 1994. This was before I was alive. Maybe Ron Jeremy was more kind of respected in, um you know, in pop culture than he is today. Maybe he was seen kind of, I don't know if he, you know, if he did any notable charity work or whether he had a very critically acclaimed... Porno or something that would explain why, you know, he he was on fry ends and like they were treating him like he was the shit. But for me, there was, the, you know, Ron Jeremy in the episode was not good. His acting was not good. His delivery of the line at the end here was bad. And uh, yeah, and that was that. And it also just kind of seemed out of character for Chandler. Chandler, like, you know, he'd get getting really fucked up in an ATM view, and then being sick on himself. Like, he usually seems like he has it together more than that. You know, he's a pretty, you know, he's, he's pretty witty. He's pretty, he's pretty, you know, acerbic. Um, he's pretty, you know, he knows what he's doing most of the time. And then this, you know, he just, he was behaving like white trash in this one. So it was just bizarre, you know, having Ron Jeremy being kind of like the more cultured one. So that's it for this episode. The, the, you know, there are a few funny moments. Uh, there are a few good things. There's stuff with the monk I really am a big fan of I thought that was funny but there was also some unbearable shit with Ron Jeremy um with Ross just being a total fucking prick um Phoebe's little Phoebe's little uh, you know the little song about homelessness was good as was Phoebe breaking up the fight with Joey and Monica and the Joey and Monica thing is really it's a good slow build that they're doing where they're kind of building tension and it will bubble up and then simmer down so you know that something big is eventually going to happen with Joey and Monica so that's interesting to like watch out for in the future but overall I'd be lying if I can say that this was like a great episode I think yeah, I think probably to be honest that I think the bad outweighed the good in this one for me I don't think this one really did it for me there's a lot to talk about in it it's significant you see some characters introduced like the you know the handsome black man and uh, heckles and that but Really, ultimately, outside of the monk stuff, there's no, there's nothing in this particular episode that strikes me as being really memorable. And I think that's the, that's the biggest sin you can commit in, a, in television. You, you know, you want people to be thinking about it long after they've turned off the episode. And I'm still, you know, I'm still sat here thinking about the sick diss tracks that Phoebe was doing a few episodes ago. I'm not going to be sitting here still thinking about Ron Jeremy a few, epi- a few episodes from now. I can guarantee you that. I'm not going to be still thinking, oh wow, you know, that was really good when Ross was behaving like a fucking petulant child about not getting the girl that he wanted to get with so that's all i've got to say about this one i guess uh don't go out of your way to watch it it it, it was it was a it was a four out of ten That'll do it. Um, it's time for time for me to jet off. So, um, you know, if you if you were listening, you fucking little you fucking little nerd who emailed in. If you listen to that, well, first of all, clearly it's not that unlistenable because you just heard another fucking episode. And then second of all, tell me if that one was unlistenable. You know, let me know. Email again because I think that was pretty. I think I did a pretty fucking good job there. Okay, that wasn't easy. You know, there was a lot to get through there, and I think it, I I did a pretty fucking solid job of recapping it. So, you know, why don't you fucking step to me again and tell me how fucking unlistenable that was? Tell me how that one was a load of shit. Okay, because I provided pretty good fucking insight and commentary on that one you little fucking punk take care guys I'm, uh, yeah i'll be i'll be i'll be back again next week